Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back. It's Lisa from A Day in Our Shoes. Uh, as we are plodding our way, trudging through an IEP. Um, this is take two on this episode, actually. I don't understand. I put my phone on Do Not Disturb while I'm sitting here at my desk recording these. And the phone rang, which I don't know. I double-checked. it. Yes, it is on Do Not Disturb, so I don't know why my phone rang. But I, I guess I could have edited, edited it. But I thought it would just start over. I'm trying to have or to create a better podcast. I'm actually, since I've started podcasting, I've gotten more into listening to podcasts myself, particularly when I'm working at my desk. Instead of having the TV on, I will listen to podcasts. And um, while my son is at practice or activities and things, I will listen to some podcasts. And I was listening to one last night, and the guy must have said, um, it was a really great podcast, chock full of information that was super relevant to me, and, and I... That's the whole reason I left it on, but he said, um, at least 5,000 times in half an hour. So I'm trying to get better at that, even though I know I'm guilty of it. So, but then I don't want to say so 5,000 times either. Okay, we are trudging through an IEP going over section by section. Today is special considerations in the IEP. I don't know why they have to use two separate words. IDEA refers to them as both special factors and special considerations. The Pennsylvania blank IEP uses both special considerations and then in the second sentence they use the word factors. And it's just, I think... It just can be new and overwhelming or overwhelming and confusing to newer folks to IEPs. I know there have been a couple of times where I've been talking with a client over the phone and I say, oh, well, what does special factors say? Because that's just what I'm used to calling it. And I say, look at your special factors section. Tell me if there's anything checked there. And... They look and come back and they go, well, I don't see a special factors section because they may not assume that special considerations is the same thing as special factors. However, like all the other confusing stuff in IEP world, they are the same. So special factors, special considerations. IDEA refers to five special factors, behavior, 
limited English proficiency, limited English proficiency, blind or visually impaired. They have communication needs and deaf and hard of hearing lumped together as one, and then assistive technology. However, on the Pennsylvania form, deaf and hard of hearing, and does the student have communication needs, um, are separated out. So on Pennsylvania's form, there are six. I just looked at Delaware's IEP form, and they have it listed as five. So what's important about these special factors? Well, a few things. First, and I couldn't find this anywhere in IDEA or I think I looked at Delaware and I think I looked at a blank New Jersey one. However, on Pennsylvania's form, it says the special considerations the IEP team must consider before developing the IEP. Da, 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 da. I like that. Um, and in fact, I don't think I've ever even noticed that word before. And that might be just a, another quirky Pennsylvania thing which is fine because even IDEA says that, you know, these are special considerations and you have to, um, I don't know how else to say it. Um, you have to determine if these are relevant to the child and if so, address them. Uh, so let's go, let's just go quickly go through them. Blind or visually impaired. IDEA is really clear about this and says that if a child is blind or visually impaired, you have to offer, they have to offer Braille. If it's, you know, if it's, a, if it's appropriate, of course, for the student. My child... Uh, is visually impaired, but Braille would not be appropriate for him. However, I have heard from some parents in more rural districts that, you know, well, we don't have Braille here. We don't do Braille here. Well, there is no, we don't do that here if the child needs Braille. I've also heard some challenges for parents in getting their child a sign language interpreter. And again, IDEA is pretty clear on that if the child is deaf or hard of hearing. So what, you know, what opportunities are there to teach the child if they are deaf or hard of hearing um, and how they can communicate? So I like that, I actually do like that Pennsylvania separates out deaf, hard of hearing, and communication needs because there are so many children with autism or apraxia who are nonverbal, and I can see where a school would be reluctant to check that box because they'd say, well, he's not deaf, and it's like, no, my child's not deaf. However, he does have communication needs. Um, so, and... You know, again, some folks are, or some kids are hard of hearing, but have devices or implants and things like that, that um, allow them to function almost normal 
with hearing aids, cochlear implants, and the like. So you could check that the child is deaf or hard of hearing, however, that maybe they don't have communication needs because they are addressed medically. Um, does the student need assistive technology device or services? Ugh, one of my favorites. I've done quite a bit of, not a quite, I think I've done two webinars on assistive technology. And I know I have a blog post on it. And how do I want to say this? I'm just kind of tired of assistive technology being seen as a treat or a privilege for the child. Because it's not a treat or a privilege. It's a matter of this is the technology we have here in 2019. And if it enables a child to access communication and education, I don't, I just don't understand why, why it's seen as like a treat or something special. Wow, you have this. Our kids need it. You know, if you're able-bodied and non-disabled, however you want to call it, technology just, you know, is a fun thing. It enables you to enhance your abilities and skills. But for disabled people, it's, it's all about access. So if your child, if there's something out there for your child that would really enable them to access their education... I, that's something I would push for. There's a lot of stuff out there. Again, I have a, uh, an entire webinar just on assistive technology and evaluations and SET and WADI and all those different things. Um, but I mean, just some of these things, you know, not just a treat or a privilege, but sometimes it's seen as being... Late, I want to say lazy, is that the word? You know, for example, a child who struggles with reading, I don't, I, I certainly don't see any problem with audiobooks. If listening to an audiobook or guided reading along with an audiobook is going to enable them to access the same book that their classmates are reading, how is that being lazy? And I don't, I just don't see this, I don't understand this phenomena of forcing our kids to hobble along and struggle through something when there's an assistive technology device or program that would enable them to, to get the information. It makes no sense to me. Uh, and the last one, uh, does the student have limited English proficiency? Again, IDEA is clear about, um, if a child comes here and lives here from a different country and whether that be through adoption, immigration, whatever it is, if a child comes from a country where the 
education system is not or was not as sophisticated as ours and they are lagging behind their peers due to the other, their home country, so to speak, not providing them an education. That is actually, not only is that not a qualifier for an IEP, but that's actually a disqualifier. And that IDEA has said, you know, we are not responsible for remediation because your country did not provide you with an education. And this becomes particularly relevant when you're talking about children who come from poorer countries and lived the first part of their lives in orphanages and did not receive a, um, a decent education. So that's one. Um, if your child is, is, is adopted or from a different country or something like that, um, they're not required, they're not going to qualify for an IEP if no other learning disability or area of need can be identified. Now, the flip side of that is there are many children here in this country, and especially I see a ton of this in my community, in my county, where the family has immigrated here, set down roots, and the household is bilingual with the parents being much stronger in their home language or their native language than they are in English, which would make sense if you spent, you know, the bulk of the first part of your life until you were an adult in a different country, you're going to be more comfortable with that language. However, it has been my experience that the children are often very fluent and bilingual and have no trouble at all switching back and forth from one language to the next and are fully capable of speaking one language at home and another language at school and their learning disabilities go unidentified or un, um, unaddressed and it's addressed as um, a limited English proficiency. In other words, I see a lot of kids with reading disabilities, other disabilities, sitting in ESL classes rather than receiving the appropriate intervention. If that makes sense. I kind of see it as being too much used as a crutch. You know, oh, well, English isn't his first language, so let's stick him in ESL and avoid the IEP evaluations. And meanwhile, the child just falls further and further behind in both languages. If you have a reading disability, you have a reading disability. It doesn't mean that you can, you know, that you're going to be able to read English or read Spanish and not English. If you can't read, if you struggle with reading, you struggle with reading in any language, if that makes sense. So, gosh, I sound really negative lately, don't I? I don't mean to. I'm really not down on schools lately. Um, you know what it is? I think it's because it's like we're in May and um, my phone's just been ringing off the hook with crises and, and things like that. So I do kind of get down in the dumps in May just because I hear so many more issues from parents. Um, 
behaviors. Behaviors is listed as a special factor or special consideration. This came up today um, in the group, and I've actually had this happen with an with a real client about I don't know it was several years ago. Child was sleeping in school, and his behaviors box was not checked on his IEP. Didn't have any behaviors, and in the IEP meeting, it came up that this child was sleeping, and he was in junior high schoolish age, middle school, junior high. So we asked, well, how much of the day do you think he's sleeping? And the teachers actually looked at each other and they kind of like whispered. And one of them said, about half the time. They, they literally sat there in an IEP meeting and said that the child was sleeping about half of his day away at school. And then she said, but he's not bothering anybody. Okay, that's a behavior. Not all behaviors are eloping, spitting, hitting, meltdowns. Those behaviors are easy to spot. But avoidance, task avoidance, task refusal, sleeping, going to the nurse 80 times a week, going to the bathroom 10 times a day, those are avoidance behaviors as well that everyone needs to be aware of. Okay. So, and it, it does, it's pretty clear about, does the child have behaviors that affect his or her own education and that of others? So, that's special considerations. Again, you should always want the child in front of you to match the child on paper. So if a box needs to be checked, yeah, I would, I would push for it. If it needs to be checked, it needs to be checked. That's who the child is. And that's about it. Thank you for tuning in. Please consider sharing some of these podcasts on your social media or reviewing them on whatever whatever outlet you're listening to them on. Um, I'm on iTunes, I'm on Stitcher, I'm on Google Play, and a whole bunch of the others. So reviews help us spread the word. And tune in tomorrow, or not tomorrow, whatever, tune in next podcast. We're going to start present, well not start. I think I can cover it all in podcasts. We're going to do present levels. Most important part of the IEP. Okay, have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone. And with a day in our shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group.
Wait. 